Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911. Good morning, Jesus 911, Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Two man car, Ruben and Jesse. We're bringing you some. Uh, some good intel, Jesse. Uh, good morning. Had good, good to have you back. We missed you. Yeah, thanks, Ruben. Thanks for uh, filling in yesterday. I heard you did a great bang up job. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, it's all it was all Kyle, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's easy when you got somebody like him on the other side. Yes. Hey, let me ask you a question. There's a, two things we're going to be talking about today about Freemasons and the Bolsheviks and the Russian Revolution. We're also going to be talking about something practical about burnout and the the way it affects all of us, but I kind of want to get your take and I'll give you my take. Uh, and I didn't prepare you for this, so I don't want to surprise you, but what, what do you think about, uh, Will Smith, you know, slapping, uh, what's, uh, the, the, what's his name? Rock. I don't know. What's his, uh, yeah, the little comedian. What's his... Yeah. The comedian. Yeah. Now I, his name will come to me right now. Chris Rock. Chris Rock. Yeah. Chris Rock is per has perpetual Tourette syndrome. This guy cusses out everybody. That's why I never watch him. He, I mean, he uses the F word every other sentence. Uh, he insults women, insults wives. And uh, and so uh, I think this guy just triggered Will Smith. I'm not, I'm not justifying Will Smith's actions. I think if it was a white actor, Ruben, I think they, they would have taken the, that award away. What is it, a, an Emmy or a Grammy? They would have taken it away. I think they would have he escorted him out. Yeah. I think they would have escorted him out in handcuffs. Could you imagine if it was Mel Gibson? That he'd be, oh, he'd be in, he'd be behind bars right now. And, oh, <laughs> could you? And and uh, or, or or Jim Caviezel. Yep, exactly. You know, if, if you're on the wrong side of the politics, uh, you're you're uh, you'd be in trouble. And I, at first, I was I, I watched it several times, and it looked like it was staged. You know, it, it looked like. You know, um, Chris Rock was already grimacing before the the strike came, and um, it didn't really have like a a real impact on him. And it looked like he just slapped him. Uh, 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 if he did, it was one of those Hollywood slaps, you know. So uh, who knows? It could be could have been staged, but uh, but why? I, what what motive? You why know, why would they stage something like that? Uh, yeah, drama, I guess. It's <laughs> just just to, to be the talk of the town, and you know. I'm not. I'm not a fan of Will Smith. He he was. A, he's a big activist. He he gave tons of money to uh, the BLM and he's uh, and also yeah, those, yeah, those I'm not, I, exactly I'm senators in Georgia. When you know he said, "Oh, they're they're not going to allow us. They're 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 changing the election laws in Georgia." Okay, we'll tell you what. We're not. We're going to stop filming over there. And then he started setting those those Warnocks. You know the the senators that went out there and uh, and and they beat the. They're the ones that, that's the reason why the the Democrats hold the the edge now, or even though it's tied, they, they hold the edge in the Senate because they have, they have the vice president's vote. But could you so without these these uh, rich guys sending all kinds of money over to those those two senators that won their election? Well, I, I it's probably part of the the, the scam, but um, nevertheless. He's not a good guy. He's not a good guy, and then you know he he and his wife they have some issues. They have some uh, a weird relationship, and uh, you know, and the other thing people are posting is that hey, how about what if that was uh what if that was the Rock that had that just said that 
you know. And you think Will Smith's going to go up there and smack The Rock? Not Chris Rock, but The Rock, you know, the actor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. Hey, I just send you the uh, the the what you asked me for. All right. Okay, it's I just send it right now. Okay, well, let me start, Ruben. I'll start. Uh, <clears throat> there's an article that I have here. It's called, What Role Did Freeman... And this is kind of fresh in your mind since you talked about Freemasonry yesterday. Mm-hmm. What role did Freemasons and Bolsheviks play in the Russian Revolution? So, the Russian Revolution, a significant event in modern history, was actually a battle of secret societies. By the way, the Catholic Church has always condemned secret societies up until Pope Benedict. Pope Francis has been silent about secret societies, truth be told. Yes. In May 1917, officials were alerted about a German plot to take control of a secret society in Russia. They were alarmed as the repercussions of these actions would have been global and not limited to Russia. So this is exactly, Ruben, the way the, the left, the globalists, the culture of death... This is the way they infiltrate nations. Our nation, Russia, all nations, is through secret societies. Now, here's the nexus with the Freemasons and the Russian Revolution. He was not the only one who had, who had sensed potential danger. Gerard and Kasi, known as Papus, had also warned of a similar thing. He was a physician, an occultist. A former spiritual advisor to the Russian Empire, an envoy of the French Freemasonry in the organization of of Russian branch, a Martinist Freemason, and a secret agent of the French government. He had predicted that the Russian Revolution would be defined by the Russian Martinist. And in early 1915, at the height of Germany and Russia's war, a Russian-born Marxist revolutionary went to, to the German embassy in Constantinople with a plan. His name was Alexander Helphand, also known as Peyrus, who was Leon Trotsky's mentor and friend. He proposed with the financial help of Germany, Russians would be able to overthrow the Tsar and dissolve the Russian Empire. But another group of Freemasons outpaced Peyrus in dethroning the Tsar. This group was the liberal members of the Duma, the Russian parliament. They belonged to a Masonic branch called the Grand Orient to the peoples of Russia. They were a majority in the parliament and overthrew Tsar Nicholas. Yeah. Yeah, Jesse. That- Ruben, these guys have their hands in everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, again, this is right there. People have to realize that the year 1917, that's a, a major... That's when Our Lady appeared to uh, the the shepherd children, and she was telling them uh, what you know. Russia is going to spread her their errors, and uh, this is when it was beginning, you know. And so Freemasonry, uh, like um, you know, Kyle was talking about yesterday. It's 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 not just some. It's it's not like the Elks Lodge where you know some people think. Oh, it's just a you know a social club. You can go and you meet with, you know. Um, <laughs> You know, you you remember the Flintstones when they'd go out to the to the lodge, they put their those those big, uh, you know, moose caps on the moose lodge, and uh, oh yeah, that's right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Memories. it's not like that at all. These are people. These are these are communists, man. That uh, 
they want to they want to destroy everything and and Reuben, they're also what I would call just very basic sons of Satan because Saint John the Apostle talks about two classes of people in the world. First John three ten, sons of God and sons of Satan. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. So anyway, so there were there's several Masonic groups in 1917 in Russia. The the biggest group was the Grand Orient with about 400 members. Although it was a small group, it, it proved to be highly influential in the coming months after they dethroned the Tsar, and they formed a uh, a provisional government, all members of which were Freemasons. So these Masonic brothers uh, dominated not only the provisional government, but also other political groups in Russia. They were uh, present in socialist and Bolshevik groups, too. For example, most of the leaders of the Petrograd Soviet were, were socialists. And there were also um, notable Freemasons. Among Bolsheviks were Vladimir Lenin and Leon Trotsky. So what did these groups want with politics? Did they want to expand their Masonic prevalence through political action? Quite the opposite. They sought to pursue political agendas through Freemasonry. Mm-hmm. Ruben, let me define Freemasonry for the audience real quick. Just, uh, it's a group that was started in 1717, started by Protestant guildsmen that probably started off, you know, like a good old boys club. But uh, they started uh, bringing in intellectuals and it went from this blue guild labor protestant labor union club it went to when when the elites came in the intelligentsia they became a secret society uh, a cult-like society with secret handshakes and secret and secret oaths and they're basically extreme rationalists they're anti-supernatural and so philosophically they're anti-faith and they're anti-god and so they're very hostile to the Catholic Church, that's the, that's their target number, or that's their enemy number one. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, that was ultimately their goal is to destroy the church, and and we talked about a little bit about that yesterday with the, the document that Alta Vendita that that was that surfaced in the 1850s, and so um, let's. Uh, what, but what about the Bolsheviks? Can they be regarded as as a secret society? After all, they were a political movement with Marxist ideologies. And nothing about them was secret, but a secret society is not defined as one with a secret underground existence. It's characterized by by selective admissions, the importance of absolute loyalty, and the promise of special knowledge and and status. So under this definition, Bolsheviks were considered a secret society. And Ruben, and here's the problem with the with the Freemasons, the Illuminati, and other secret societies. You just you just said it right now. They all believe. They all have this promise of this special knowledge and this special status. In other words, we know something that nobody else in the world knows. So you have to join with us. Only we have that special knowledge and only we have that preferred status. That's ultimately the definition of all these secret societies that are Luciferian. That's right. And you'll see uh, a lot of people in the media, they'll put that... They'll put their finger over their mouth like shh, like a, like a shush. That, that's that's that indicate secret society. You know, shh. Um, anyway, we'll be right back on the other side of the break. Continue with this. Now, back to Jesus nine one one. 
If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. GC911, we are back. So we were talking about the uh, the Bolshevik Revolution, and you know the that that term Bolshevik. That's that is uh, it's Russian for one of the majority, and it's you know it's uh, as opposed to the Mensheviks because they broke away from the Mensheviks, who were the minority party, and uh, and uh, Vladimir Lenin just uh, he took over the the country, and <clears throat> you know Jesse, when we're seeing what's happening in Russia today, uh, it's it's not out of the you know, the realm of possibility that some of these Russian citizens are are going to have fed up with uh, with Putin and and may want to uh, start all over again. And you know, maybe some it's got to they have got to have power. So it's it could come from someone in the military who has control of the military that can you know that can oust uh, someone like a like a dictator dictator like Putin. So. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see. Yes. Yeah. Because there's a lot of good people in Russia. So they're. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Ruben. Uh, well, again, they they they're the country that's built more churches than any other country in the last 10 years. Hmm. Churches are closing down all over the world. Russia's actually building churches. So, again, oh. what I've said, Putin is an enigma to me. I, but he just passed the, a law saying that you can't proselytize in public, you know, and yeah, he, yeah he, he he's he's hard line russian orthodox he doesn't want catholics uh sharing their faith on the streets or in p- pamphlets or or evangelicals he wants to keep the country hardline russian orthodox he doesn't even want any other christian groups there he's even said including the catholics so he's not an atheist he's not he doesn't propose marxism but he, he says the only religion that he wants in the country is russian orthodoxy mm-hmm. Okay. So let's go back to this article. Uh, so how were the Bolsheviks funded? Politics cannot survive without money. Being fully aware of that, Lenin was always in search of financial resources to fund his party. And under their principal mantra that the end justifies the means, they took any opportunity to get cash from bank robbery to murder. For example, they stole 340,000 rubles from a Tiflis bank and 40 people died and 50 were injured. Young Joseph Stalin was in that Bolshevik band that committed the robbery. But since the money that they earned for the bank robbery was not always easy to use as it was marked, they looked for more decent ways to avoid future trouble. One of these ways was to find wealthy supporters. Finally, with the help of these wealthy supporters, they seized power in Russia after the fall of the Tsar and established their their government on the Petrograd Soviet. So, a couple of common questions, Ruben, uh, that the people may ask. Common, okay, common questions. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, I th- I think uh, you, there was a uh, one one line or up above that paragraph above that where you, you um, when you oh, j- then share it, share it. Yeah, it's it was pretty good because uh, it's it's who were the Bolsheviks? You know, um, they were first uh, yeah, they yeah, yeah. first emerged as a fa- small faction. Of the Russian Socialist Movement in uh, 1903, Lenin had a majority of votes in a socialist conference, although his faction was a minority. In fact, Bolsheviks, which means minority in Russian, were rivals with Mensheviks, which means majority, ironically. So he had the majority votes in the conference. So both Bolsheviks and Mensheviks were Marxists. They believed in social justice and the eventual victory of the proletariat over capitalism. Jesse, it sounds a lot like the the um, 
this the, you know the, the the those five uh or four or five um people in congress um AOCs and her little squad. Yeah, the Democrat Socialists uh, Socialists of America DSA. They this is how they think, Jesse. Uh so what differed in, in yep. was the means of achieving this goal. Mensheviks believed in open action through mass worker parties, while the Bolsheviks favored conspiratorial means carried out by a small vanguard revolutionary party. And and this is interesting that under this mantra it's flexibility in means, inflexibility in goals hmm. anything would be allowed as long as it was towards the ultimate goal this is why lenin eventually won over the mensheviks so we, now we let's get to those questions jesse <clears throat> yes uh common questions about the role of freemasons and Bol- bolsheviks in the russian revolution what is vladimir lenin famous for vladimir lenin was a revolutionary marxist who led the russian revolution Lenin established the Bolshevik Party as a faction of the Russian Socialist Party. So, Ruben, it, it, it seems like, you know, even Russia, they, the, all these guys were influenced by Karl Marx yeah. and, his, and his Communist Manifesto and his, uh, again, his, uh, all the writings that he, where he promoted, you know, dialectic, uh, you know, dialectic uh, class warfare. Uh, all these people were, were influenced by Karl Marx. Mm-hmm. You're right. Uh, second question, who was behind the Russian Revolution? Well, there are many forces involved in the Russian Revolution, including the Freemasons. They all helped Lenin, the head of the Bolshevik Party, seize power and take control after the revolution. Why was Nicholas Tsar Nicholas, Tsar Nicholas overthrown? The members of the Russian parliament, the Duma, were behind the overthrow of the Tsar. They, they were all Freemasons and formed the Provisional Government. Mm-hmm. And uh, what started the Russian Revolution? Well, the Russian Revolution was the uprising of the Bolsheviks and the workers against the last Tsar of Russia. And they were led by Vladimir Lenin, who was originally a Marxist. And, um, you know, if you go back and you, you, you look up how many people were killed during this time, uh, we're talking in the millions, Jesse. There's there's some outra- outrageous numbers, and I don't have my uh, the the article in front of me, but uh, they were just basically just uh, if you disagreed with their their movement, you were gone. Boom, they they shoot you in cold blood, and they were po- stacking bodies up. Um, some of the the people were uh, were talking about how some people weren't even dead yet, and they were sticking them in the ground. So it, it was. It was horrendous, and a lot of see a lot of the youngsters here that uh, think that communism is the answer. You know these mm. young college kids, and, and they don't go and investigate what communism has done all across the world. You know Vietnam and China and Cuba and 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 um, and Russia. So they just think it's gonna. They want things free. That's I think that's what they're uh, they're looking for. They're looking for um, you know that shouldn't be. The government should should be taking care of my college expenses. They should be, you know, taking from the rich and giving to us. And uh, you know, they just don't uh, look deeper into how evil communism is. And Our Lady was warning us. Yeah, here's the Catholic angle to all this. Saint Maximilian Kolbe, what what fired him up to start the Knights of the Immaculata was Freemasonry. And in fact, he wrote about Freemasonry as early as 1939. Uh, 
And in the years leading up to uh, the Second World War, the the Masonic, the the Masons were openly disapproving about several popes that were sitting on the chair of Peter, you know, governing in Rome, the, the capital of Christianity. The Masons were speaking out against them already before, uh, right after 1939. And uh, they were so bold that they didn't even hesitate to march on the streets of the city of Rome during the festivities in honor of Giordano Bruno. The Masons, they marched in front of the Vatican with a black flag showing the Archangel St. Michael beneath the feet of Lucifer being crushed. And, uh, and, and, and they didn't even hesitate to brandish uh, a, Maso- uh, a Masonic insignia beneath the windows of the Vatican. They put it underneath the windows of the Vatican. <clears throat> and uh, they also put on that sign, Satan will rule in the Vatican and the Pope will serve him in the uniform of a Swiss guard. So the Masons, very early on, St. Maximilian Colby saw that they had a mortal hatred for the Catholic Church and for the Vicar of Christ. And this wasn't just a prank. This was this was a systematic uh, action from the Masons back in the 30s. Uh, basically, because their goal is to destroy all religions, especially the Catholic religion. So as a result of this march upon Vatican City... This is what led St. Maximilian Kolbe uh, to found the Militia Immaculata, the Knights of the Immaculate, to counteract the actions of Lucifer. Uh, St. Maximilian Kolbe, pray for us. Yes. Pray for us. So we're, we're going to see if uh, what became of the, the consecration, Jess. Um, that, yes. That was done. We, we're standing in, uh, I, I don't know, it's not, it's, no one said that uh, it was going to happen overnight. Uh, we had uh, some some positive news that came out from Ukraine that the Russians said they were going to kind of cease fire. They're they're reengaging in talks to maybe uh, try to bring peace, but uh, you know nobody could. Uh, That's definitely uh, positive. Yeah, that is positive. That and it could be because the Russia is getting it. Uh, you know, getting their. Uh, they're butt handed to them, you know. They're, they're losing a lot of people. Um, if you, you know, if you believe the the Ukrainians, uh, their story. But yeah, I'm not even sure, Ruben, who to believe at this point. Seriously, <laughs> yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I just know that they're the pictures that they're sending back from uh, the, the Ukraine is that there's nothing nothing to be left to return home to when when this is over, and that's what's really sad. Yeah, uh, I also want to mention a, a, another point about Freemasonry since this is. This is fresh in your mind. You just had an interview with Kyle yesterday. Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano, he warned us, Ruben, that what we're dealing with right now in the, in the whole Great Reset, this the, the globalist plan, he says this is Masonic. He wrote this letter to, to Donald Trump when he was president. This was about two years ago. Uh, Archbishop Vigano said this. He says, um, the same thing is also happening in Europe. He says, uh, we learn once again that hidden behind these acts of vandalism and violence are those who hope to profit from the dissolution of the social order so as to build a world without freedom. Solve et coagula. Mm -hmm. And and Carla Maria Vigano says, this is the Masonic, it's a Masonic adage which teaches solve et coagula is a maxim of the Freemasons 
which means dissolve and coagulate. In other words, Archbishop Vigano says it means that something must be broken down before it can be built up. It means that something must be broken down. Uh, he, and then he says, for this reason, I believe that the attack to which you, President Trump, were subjected after your visit to the National Trine of St. John Paul II is part of the orchestrated media narrative which seeks not to fight racism and bring social order, but to ag aggravate dispositions, not to bring justice, but to legitimize violence and crime, not to serve truth. Then he says this, they are subservient, he's, and he talks about the bishops here, he's telling Trump that the bishops are subservient to the deep state, to globalism, to align thought, to the new world order, which by the way, Biden just mentioned the other day, which they invoke ever more frequently in the... I, I, I got to share this from Vigano and Freemasons, Ruben, on the next segment. It's okay. worth it. Okay? It. All yeah. right. We'll be right back. Jesus 911. Now... Back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Jesus 911. You stay ready. You don't have to get ready. And uh, we're going to finish up on this talk on uh, Freemasonry and the Bolsheviks. And Jesse, uh, you were talking about Archbishop Vigano. You want to finish that up? Yeah. Archbishop Vigano wrote a letter to Donald Trump, and he, he warned him about Freemasonry. He, he said, and it is disconcerting that there are bishops who, by their words, prove that they, they are aligned on the opposing side. They are subservient to the deep state, to globalism, to aligned thought, to the new world order, which they invoke ever more frequently in the name of a universal brotherhood, which has nothing Christian about it but which evokes the Masonic ideals of those who want to dominate the world by driving God out of the courts, out of schools, out of families, and perhaps even out of churches. That was the letter written two years ago by Vigano to President Trump, where he, uh, the letter was where he talks about the struggle between good and e evil. And twice, Reuben, in that letter, he mentions the Masons. Mm -hmm. Again, this is a very, very clear thinker. Let me also mention another thing about the Masons. Uh, Bill Gates' father was, was a Mason. <clears throat> we know that for sure. Is Bill Gates a Mason? We don't know. He has, again, it's a secret society, so they don't exactly give you your, uh, the member's roster. But the father admitted that he was a Mason, so we know that. You can watch on YouTube and other accounts where that's admitted. Is his son Bill Gates a Mason? I don't know. But I can tell you this way, this, his whole idea about depopulating the earth, and he's on YouTube, Ruben, he just came out with another video saying that another virus is, is looming in the, in the near future. Okay. Yeah. How does this guy know this? No, but here's what's interesting. His dad was a Mason. His dad was also one of the board members of, of Planned Parenthood when it started with Margaret Sanger. It, what's interesting is that the Masons, they have what's called the Georgia Guidestones. These are these rock monuments over in 
Albert County, Georgia. They put them up there in 1980. They look like the Ten Command, like our Ten Commandments, two little, two like big stones that have the Ten Commandments in front of a lot of Catholic churches. The Masons they put up these Georgia Guidestones, and in there it says the Ten Commandments uh, for an age governed by reason. They were put in by they were put there by the Freemasons. So it's a Masonic, it's a Masonic, uh, you know, monument. Commandment number one of the Freemasons in the Georgia Guidestones is that we have to maintain the world population under 500 million people in perpetual balance uh, so that we can help out nature. Think about this, Ruben. <clears throat> Gates' dad was a Mason. The Mason's goal is to is kind of like Hitler's goal. There's too many... Uh, you know, people taking up space on planet Earth. The the only people that deserve to be on planet Earth are the rich and famous. You know, yeah. the Angela Jolie, the, you know, the, you know, again, the, the, look at all the people in the Grammys and the Emmys. I don't need, and look at the people in the NBA. Look, those are the people that should be allowed to have babies and populate. The rest of us are Earth eaters. So the Masons want to reduce the population to... Half a billion people. That would mean, Ruben, that right now we have eight billion people. We would have they would have to kill you know seven point five billion people. Well again, uh Bill Gates is talking about another virus is just around the corner. Mm-hmm. And trust me, their goal is uh to wipe out as many people as they can because uh just the way they act, just by what they say, I have no doubt, Ruben, that they are Masons. No, yeah, you're right, absolutely right, and uh, and I, I mentioned yesterday there was a a picture that was surfaced with, uh, um, Doctor Fauci, Doctor Fucci, whatever you want to call him. He, <laughs> he had his hand in, you know, inside his uh, his coat, which, and he was getting ready for a um, a television um, interview, so he was going on on stage, and so he's standing up there, and he has uh, that his right hand hidden into his, into his, like his breast, his, his coat. And, um, it's, it's a, it's a, a known Freemason sign, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and he was, so it's just out there in the open. Now this is, this is coming out. It's a sign of the master of the second veil. And with that hand inside the jacket and Obama has, has done it, uh, you know, even Pope Francis has has the pictures of him with with his hand in the in his coat like that, and it's not to keep your hands warm, Jesse. You know, you, <laughs> you, you're putting your you put your hands in your pockets for that. But uh, no, th- this is a, a and, th- and there's I, I have to send you this uh, this link because there's a, a whole story on <laughs> on these all these actors, people in Hollywood that are all all masons, man. A lot of them have sold their soul to the devil, and they admit it. You know. Uh, By the way, Ruben, yesterday you talked. You were talking to Kyle Clement, whose whose father Chad Ripperger, it's his right hand man. Uh, that's his case facilitator, and he helps him out for the last fifteen years in uh, in solemn sessions of exorcism. Uh, <clears throat> Kyle Clement, uh, who's uh, I mean, this is one of his expertises is Freemasonry. He says some of the worst cases that Father Ripperger gets, and Kyle, again, he's the one that interviews them and mm-hmm. determines whether they're possessed or not, send them to psychiatrists. Uh, once they got a, ment- a, a bill of, of mental fitness, 
and it is determined that it's possession, he says some of the worst cases that him and Father Ripperger see during solemn sessions are people that are possessed through Freemasonry. They call that you know they call this a generational curse through Freemasonry, and uh, in fact, Father Ripperger in his in his in his book is called Deliverance Prayers for the Laity. He has a prayer that people, if you have Freemasonry in your family, you should be doing this prayer of renunciation. It's on page 123 of his book, Deliverance Prayers for the Lady. He recommends to do it uh, three times in front of the Blessed Sacrament or in front of a Catholic priest. And and, and if I if I was if I had a family tree that had Freemasonry, I would probably do it for probably three to nine days, you know, three days of Trinity, nine days Novena. I probably wouldn't just do it one time if I had this in my family. But look what the prayer actually says that Father Ripperger writes. He says, it says on 123, I renounce and utterly forsake the great architect of the universe who was revealed in this degree as Lucifer, close quote. So this is a part of the prayer that a 33-degree Mason, they must say during a Catholic healing and deliverance session because, because they pray and worship the great architect of the universe whom most of us would assume that's God Almighty. But when the member reaches the highest degree of Freemasonry, which is a 32nd or 33rd degree, they're finally told that the great architect that they've been praying and worshiping is Lucifer, who is the devil. Mm-hmm. And so that's not revealed to them Till they are steeped in Freemasonry, and uh, and and this is why again, this is why there's a lot of uh, cases of demonic possession of people within Freemasonry. Wow. Also, also one last thing I want to mention, and this uh, we've all watched the movie For Greater Glory, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. pheno- phenomenal movie. Uh, it's a, one of those faith builders. Father Benedict Rochelle, rest in peace. He wrote a book back in 1995. It's called Arise from Darkness. And in that book, when I read it uh, years ago, and I I talked to him after because I saw him after at a conference. And uh, yeah, he just kind of filled in the blanks. But look at what he says here. He says uh, about the war and Freemasonry's involvement with the Cristero War. He says, one of the more peculiar things in modern times has been the persecution of the Catholic Church and religion in general in Mexico. The Republic of Mexico was founded by a Catholic priest, Father Hidalgo. He is their George Washington. Mexico, in many ways, was settled and brought into the modern world by the Catholic Church. The largest number of people ever converted in a single event was the conversion of the Aztecs by the apparition of Our Lady Lady of Guadalupe. In a period of 20 years, 8 million Aztecs, indigenous Indians, entered the Catholic Church. The land of Mexico is 95% Catholic, but, but somehow the government of Mexico for 100 years has perpetrated the most vicious and cruel persecutions of the Catholic Church, abetted, I'm sorry to tell you, by the American government. The United States was in many ways an accomplice of that persecution we call the Cristero War, which was led by a particularly virulent form of anti-Catholic and anti-religious Freemasonry, which was introduced into Mexico by an American ambassador in the last century. Surprise, surprise. Wow. 
Well, we've, we've been, uh, people look at uh, the United States and say, you have your hand in a lot of wars across the, across the world. Uh, we've done a lot of good things, no doubt, but, uh, but we've also have, uh, there's blood on our hands as, and that's a fact, you know, so. Ruben, last one bit before we move on to the next topic, let me just mention one more last thing, because a lot of people, this whole thing about uh, separation of church and state, this is not a Catholic principle. No. This is a Masonic principle. This came from the Freemasons. Uh, this is probably the uh, nine of the 56 founding fathers were Freemasons. Nine of them were. And the most important issue to come up with the founding fathers was the separation of church and state. Look at what Pope Pius, St. Pius X in 1906 said about this, this issue in a document called Vihimenter Nos. He said this, quote, that the state should be separated from the Catholic Church is an absolutely false and most pernicious thesis. For first, since it is based on the principle that religion should be of no concern to the state, it does a great injury to God, who is the founder and conserver of human society, no less than he is of individual men, for which reason he should be worshipped not only privately, but also publicly. The first sentence says it all, that the state should be separated from the church is an absolutely false and most pernicious thesis. Mm. Ruben. Right, coming up on our, our last break, we're going to be switching gears, talking about uh, turning to Scripture to fight burnout. All right, we'll be right back. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, Dial 888-526-2151. Jesus 911. We're, gonna be, uh, we're turning to Scripture to fight burnout, rest, and rest- restoration with Lexio Divina. Jess, you want to start off? Yes, uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30. This is one of my favorite Bible passages to bring calm to my day. Come to me, all you who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and humble of heart, and you will find rest for yourselves, for my yoke is easy and my burden light. Matthew eleven twenty eight, very soothing words. <clears throat> let's get right to let's get right to the meat of this. Mm-hmm. the The author writes here: What if instead of running away from everything, we ran towards something or someone to help us recharge and reset? What if what if instead of emptying our mind, like Buddhism, by the way? We filled our spirit with the goodness and truth of, of who God is and who we are in relation to him. What if when we felt haggard and helpless, we turned to the giver of life himself? That is, after all, what he himself asks us to do. Mm-hmm. So the words of scripture are living, they're effective, and they give us a real opportunity to spend time with the Lord. So we could sit down with him on the shores of the sea or go to a quiet place with him we can talk with him or simply just be with him it's what a gift and and jesse you know i have my favorite chair in the house where i go to where I, you know i read my scriptures and uh or i've actually inside there's a chair and then outside i'll go sit out by the you know on a re- uh, recliner and by the pool and it's just so peaceful to yeah you know when you can do that and um 
Anyway, Lexio Divina, which means divine reading, is a method of meditating with Scripture while engaging our imagination to more deeply enter into the presence of God. You can learn more about it here or or, or, the, or the basic steps. And uh, um, and if you've ever done an Ignatian retreat, this is what uh, Ignatius of Loyola was was all about: is the the, the meditating and and um, and reflecting and stuff, contemplation. Uh, so one is you read slowly through a, a short passage of scripture, receiving it with an open heart, and then uh, meditate, reflect quietly on what you just read. There are words or phrases that struck you, and contemplate. Be aware of God's presence both with you now and in the scripture passage. And the last one is pray, respond, and talk to God about about what you just read. Yeah, yeah. While meditating on a scripture passage. You might imagine what it would be like to be one of the characters. Yeah. Or you might insert yourself into the scene. What do you hear? See, smell, and taste. What do you feel? What is the Lord saying to you? How will you respond? You can use this method in your morning prayer or at the end of a long day or in those 15 minutes between meetings. Here are three scripture passages to help you experience the Lord's restorative love. Reuben? John 21, 1 through 25. Jesus appears again to his disciples. Jesus said to them, Come, have breakfast. And none of his disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? Because they realized it was the Lord. Mark chapter 6, verses 30 to 44. Jesus feeds the 5,000. The apostles gathered together with Jesus and reported all they had done and taught. He said to them, Come away by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. People were coming and going in great numbers, and they had no opportunity even to eat. Mark five twenty-one through 24 and 35 through 43. Jesus heals Jairus' daughter. He took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. Just as the words of Scripture are active, the Lord is active in your life. He's with you right now, even in your weariness and your burnout. He wants to revive and reignite your zest for life and work. So let us pray that the Lord will infuse us with a spirit of enthusiasm, that He'll guide us and revive us. Go ahead, Ruben. So when I am weary, may I lean on you instead of the, of the things of the world. You are calm in troubled seas. When my hands are clenched, may I open and offer to you all that I'm clinging to. You are my burden bearer. When I fret about the future, my breath reminds me of your care and providence. You are the breath of life. When I feel like nothing matters, remind me of who and whose I am. You are the creator of the universe and you chose to create me. Lord, remind me of who you are and that you are here now and always. Mm. Lexio Divina is is the way that lay people should be reading the Bible. And that way you you're able to to soak in Scripture and 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 read it for all it's worth. I think too many Catholics, Ruben, they get stuck on the on the on the parts of Scripture that are very difficult to understand. Like, what does Ezekiel mean by God is riding on this these four wheels uh, in the air? What does that mean? Or what does it mean by the seven bowls of incense in the book of Revelation? Look at, <clears throat> there are so many things in the Bible that are plain, like thou shall not commit adultery. 
If your eyes cause you to sin, pluck them out. There are so many things that are plain, but I think a lot of Catholics run away from the plain things of Scripture because they don't want to deal with them because they're easily processed and easily understood. And they want to talk about the things that are obscure. This way they don't have to really do an, uh, a, a, an examination of their own life or, a, or an interior recollection of the way they're living. Because when you read the Bible, remember this. The main things are the plain things, and the plain things are the main things. Okay, <laughs> God, will, God will reveal to us all the nuances in heaven, please God, of what he meant in Revelation chapter 9 and Ezekiel chapter 37 and some of the things that are more obscure. But uh, as Dr. Scott Hahn says, when you read the Bible, which you should do so every day, read the Bible with the heart of the church. And, and, And Lexio Divina is reading the Bible with the heart of the church. Right, right. Even the Catechism, uh, the Catholic Church, when he t- it talks about meditation, it, it engages thought, imagination, emotion, and desire. And this mobilization of faculties is necessary in order to deepen our convictions of faith, prompt the conversion of our heart, strengthen our will to follow Christ. Christian prayer tries above all to meditate on the mysteries of Christ, as in Lexio Divina or the Rosary. And this form of prayerful reflection is of great value, but Christian prayer should go further to the knowledge of the love of our, of our Lord Jesus to union with Him. And you know, just there's been a, 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 almost all the great saints talk about meditation. Padre Pio says that whoever does not meditate is like someone who never looks in the mirror before going out, doesn't bother to see if he's tidy, and they go out dirty without knowing it. Mm. Ignatius of Loyola, who I mentioned earlier, He says, meditation consists in calling to mind some dogmatic or moral truth and reflecting on or discussing this truth according to each one's capacity so as to to move the will and produce in us an amendment. Ruben, one of the battles that we're in here in this country is, uh, and this comes from Freemasonry and Marxism, is the belief that there is no God. We basically have this war in a country, those that believe in God and those that don't believe in God. That's what the battle is. Those are the battle lines. That's how it's drawn. And I can tell you, even those, again, none of the past, nobody's perfect. Nobody, except Jesus and Mary. And so, yes, though nine of the founding fathers were Freemasons, but the founding fathers, most of them being Protestant, they understood the importance of the Bible. George Washington, the first president, said this, it is impossible to rightly govern a nation without God and the Bible. Andrew Jackson, the seventh president of the country, said, The Bible is the book upon which this Republic of the United States rests. Calvin Coolidge, 30th president of the the U.S. The foundation of our society and our government rests so much on the teachings of the Bible that it would be difficult to support them if faith in these teachings would cease to be practically universal in our country. You also have... In 1782, the United States Congress voted this resolution in, quote, The Congress of the United States recommends and approves the Holy Bible for use in all public schools. (laughs) Well, guess what? The Bible was used in all of our public schools from 1782 to 1963 before it was stopped by a liberal U.S. Supreme Court. And the case was called Abington School District versus Shemp. And uh, Chief Justice Warren Burger, uh, the, the Burger Court of 1963 had liberal Democrats in the majority, 
and they struck this down. The, the fact of the matter is, for most Americans, the Bible's been a source of divine inspiration. The Bible's been a source of moral guidance and foundation of Western civilization. Even award-winning journalist Rod, Robert Hutchinson, he wrote the following quote, The Bible has given us the Western ideas of justice, reason, charity, science, and democracy. Mm. Yeah, Jesse, that uh, that was a big blow to to take prayer and uh, reading the scriptures out of the out of the schools, and we've we've just gone so far. It, it's what they're reading in, in schools now. You know, some of these these dirty books that are in our libraries, and parents are pointing them out to the school boards, and and uh, yeah, well, that's what happens. There's a void, and and you know who's going to fill the void? You know, the evil one, the the father of lies, going to come in there and. Um, He's going to be teaching our children and through these these uh, liberal uh, teachers and school boards. And it's uh, unfortunate. And so I, I, you know, if I was raising a, a, a child today, I, I can't even tell you that uh, there's no way they'd be in Homes, They'd be homeschooled. Ruben. Homeschooled they, or, or, you know, yeah. or some type of or, or academy, a, a Catholic academy, mm-hmm. not, not not a Catholic school, a Catholic <laughs> academy. Come on, just <laughs> yeah, you're right, you're right. So uh, you know, even we talked about content contemplative prayer. Saint Teresa uh, uh, of Avila was was real big on contemplative prayer. She says, in my opinion, it's nothing else than a close sharing between friends. It means taking time frequently to be alone with Him who we know loves us. Con- contemplative prayer seeks Him whom my soul loves. It is Jesus, and in Him the Father. We seek Him because to desire Him is always the beginning of love, and we seek Him in that pure love which causes us to be born of Him and to live in Him. In this inner prayer, we can still meditate, but our ten- attention is fixed on the Lord Himself. And Jesse, we have to forget. I mean, we can't forget that we're. This is about a relationship. You know, I mean, mm, our, our mm, Protestant mm. brothers could teach us something. Hey, it's that personal relationship. We have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We, you know. Um, and we have to remember that it's not a bunch of rules, Ten Commandments. You got to can't do this, can't do that. It's about love, a love relationship with the with the, uh, the Master of the Universe who created us and loves us. Amen. All right, Ruben, and you can't get in a more loving relationship than you when you receive the spouse, the the body of your spouse. Yeah, Christ is our spouse, and we receive His body. At Holy Mass. That's right. That's right. So, all right. Another show wrapped up in the books. So uh, stay tuned for Hands-On Apologetics with Gary Mishuda from the Midwest Command Center. We, uh, we pray that you have a, a great weekend. Keep the faith. Pray your rosaries. God bless. We are out. 10-7. Out. <laughs>